Luke. Hello, Michael. What's been going on? Uh, many, many things, actually. Um, very busy. I just had a Connect event recently, which is really good. Um, and mate, yeah, look, just life in general. What's going on with you? Uh, very intense period around uh, the parliamentary inquiry into Sydney's nighttime economy, which yep. has uh, had the inquiries all been done now. So we're now sitting there waiting for a lengthy government report, uh, which will give us an indication on the future of Sydney's nightlife, which, uh, you know, is. We'll look forward to reading with interest and um, hopefully seeing some positive outcomes there. But uh, speaking of your recent event, it's the way that I purloined, <laughs> I guess, <laughs> this podcast out of your network. But, uh, yeah, the guy that I invited to the event. That's right. how I do. That's how I do. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us, about, tell us about Tom. Oh, mate. Well, look, Tom, uh, mate, we met, like, it, it was literally and disappointingly or scarily, I think, 20 years ago. Um, something Ouch. like that. He was a, I think, our rep or something at, at Keystone Key Account Manager. Uh, I was probably a bar manager at, at um, Cargo at the time, so a long, long time ago. Um, but he, he kind of grew um, significantly, spent nearly so over 17 years at Red Bull um, and grew to become, um, and his title is quite a big one, but the Global Head of Insights and People Development um, and culture marketing. So, and the last role he had was over in Austria um, for about three years or so, living over there in, a, in sort of a corporate head office. But um, he's now running a, a consultancy, you know, around around leadership, um, working with some really really big businesses. And I think we'll hear why when we have the conversation with him, because his, his approach to people, leadership, culture, management. Um, you know, working in a business like Red Bull, and like we'll, we'll talk about it, but you know, their approach to culture marketing is unrivaled. Um, and he was a huge part of developing that. So, taking that culture marketing piece and then applying that to leadership and people um, and cultural diversity in businesses, I think is actually pretty unique. You know, it wouldn't be with that many people. I would imagine it come from the marketing slant yeah. and apply that to leadership and management. Um, yeah. Businesses. Yeah. And because I was chairing that panel with him on, I just thought, that's too short a bandwidth to just go. Totally. So, yeah, it's uh, without further ado, have a listen. Hello, Tom. Hey, Luke. <laughs> How's it going? That's good. Thanks, How are you? Uh, yeah, good. Thanks for joining us. Pleasure. Thank you for having me. Uh, so, obviously, fresh off the back of uh, our Connect event recently, I thought it'd be a good opportunity to get you in and talk to you solely, just to, uh, I guess, get you out of the shadows of all the other people on the panel. I was actually literally <laughs> in a shadow. <laughs> I know, you were. <laughs> I, was I got the photos. Yeah. <laughs> um, but obviously, we've just introduced you, everyone knows your background already, but um, some pretty good insights, I think. Um, and look, I guess to start off with my reasoning behind actually inviting you to attend Connect, which, um, I guess, our background, having gone, worked together, how long ago? 20 years ago, maybe something, Probably like, something that. like that. Yeah. Um, but I was talking to Mike about it before. I think Red Bull has, and we won't, you know, obviously you, you, you're no longer in that business, moved on past it. But um, the notoriety of that business from a cultural marketing perspective is um, obviously significant. I don't think there would be another business that would be able to compare. Um, I would suggest, I may be wrong. But. Um, that, I think, is a 
you know, there, there's a huge amount of correlation that you could draw between what you were doing selling in the FMCG space to how hospitality businesses could market because the, you know, we all deal with cultural subsets. A lot of businesses are actually really tailored towards appealing to a specific set. But it is actually a lot of the business, a lot of businesses don't actually get how to meet you said on the panel, meet the market where they yeah you know, be, be where the audience is yeah yeah absolutely. I, th- I mean, I think um, the the idea of that uh, and, and tapping into that in an authentic way, I, I would agree. And it's obviously not my business, but I worked there for nearly seventeen years. I think Red Bull um, has both the luxury to do it well, and as a result, uh, has has gone about it that way and, and created a situation whereby. Um, you know, that concept of uh, slowing down to speed up. I don't know whether you've ever heard that before, but, you know, taking the time up front to invest uh, and understand um, how something works mm. and understand the rules of the game, um, yeah. the language, the passion, the ambition, the past, the future. Uh, so you, you kind of, you, you enter at, at the right, in the right way um, and saying the right things. It's, it, it's whether it's, you know, programming a stage at a festival or trying to connect with a particular audience or, mm. or share a key message about a venue or whatsoever, it's the same thing because it's human beings. Yeah. And you're trying to connect and engage with them in a way that generates, you know, both engagement but also a trust and a willingness to come and participate and play your way and that that's where you start to be afforded the opportunity to take them in new and different directions. I'm just trying to figure out the, the correlation there because it's it's um it's something that the study based the slowing down to speed up topic is one that I think a lot of hospitality businesses need to really focus on because too often the approach is to just put on a promotion and do the same shit that you do every Mother's Day or Father's Day or New Year's Eve or Christmas, for example, but it's it just doesn't have the same cut through that it, I guess maybe it used to have that kind of, had a good level of cut through, but it doesn't anymore. Yeah. So by that are you saying that you need to sort of slow down, totally rethink what you're doing and then refresh an approach is that uh, kind of yes yeah. I, that's exactly what I'm saying I mean I think that um, you know in the fields and areas that I work in um, I often use the expression of, of that we're that we're human beings we're not human doings so how is someone operating how are they behaving it's just it's similar to marketing agencies these days um, these days uh, looking at psychographics more than demographics right so it's like how are people behaving? What do they want to see? How do they want to hear? What are they saying? What are they interested in? What are they passionate about? More than, you know, um, that idea of, well, it's this age group in this area and therefore this is the this is what we should do. It's, it's, it's kind of diving deeper. And I think um, Caleb touched on it at, at part, yeah. as part, part of Connects where it was like, <clears throat> excuse me, not an experience for thousands, but thousands of individual experiences. Mm. And that's, whilst that sounds like, it, well, potentially sounds like it's, it's really hard. It's really not. <laughs> um, I think that if you invest a small amount of time, and this idea of that this is the slow down phase now, invest a small amount of time um, in looking into some data. It's not mm-hmm. hard to do. It's so readily available. And then even more so is going and having conversations with people, asking them what's going on. Um, I, I've yet to encounter a situation where, where by doing that someone says, mate, no, I, I don't want to share my opinion with you, everyone wants, mm. to, wants to be heard. And you can very quickly sort of start to detect opportunities, patterns, challenges whatsoever. It doesn't take a huge amount of effort to, to investigate, if you like, and, and just spend a bit of time doing that as opposed to, as you said, sort of go go to 
what we're used to or what we think yeah. we should do or what even worse what we perceive or assume um, to be uh, what what the consumer wants or what the guest wants in yeah. the hospitality sense I think it's pretty easy to make easy decisions I think in, in that sense yeah. or in that sort of those scenarios so how, what would be the actual practical steps that you would take if you were trying to understand an audience you know for a listener if they're like okay I'm going to take your advice or assume your approach yeah what would you how would you start it and when, where would you end up yeah I think that I mean depending on uh, where it was um, I had an interesting conversation with um, uh, with Matt from Four Pillars today um, in regards to some opportunities there and that sort of started thinking about you know how I could approach that and mm. I think the idea of uh, the first thing that I would say again it's, it's very much in line with that idea of slowing down is um, you know having an idea about what the ambition is, but not rushing to to come up with the solution. You know? There's, I think we've all been in situations where we've been, you know, brainstorms or meetings or whatever, and, and whether it's us or someone else in the room, because I know what it is. I've got the solution. It's like, well, hey, well, let's let's take some time and, and, and mm. better understand what the what the what the status quo is. So, how would I do it? Um, I mean, obviously, there's huge opportunity to tap into data and, and audience analytics through the likes of social media and the back-end systems that are available there, and they're not hard to navigate at mm. all. Um, so there's that there's that availability. I think um, the idea of having a think about what why you're doing what you're doing, why, why do we want to promote uh, Mother's Day lunch? You know, what, yeah. what is the longer-term impact that we're trying to achieve as a result of that? So establishing that and having a think about that. Um, sp- speaking to people, speak to customers, speak to friends, speak to family, speak to you know, the idea of one, two, three degrees of separation. Um, I don't know, at, at uh, Red Bull, you know, given that I was there for 43 billion years, <laughs> I started to gradually go outside, very much outside of the, the target audience, so to speak, or tar- target audiences. But, you know, within the business, there was very much still that that age group that we could lean on and ask is like, well, you know, for example, with the student brand managers who are the kids on campus, mm. kids, again, old. Yeah. Um, but, it, it, you know, if we want to better understand a particular audience, well, give us five names of, of your mates that are willing to have a bit of a conversation um, and, and have a chat with them, you know, that idea of sort of asking a few questions, as I said, that everyone's willing to, to give their opinion if, if they feel like they're, going to be heard and it's going mm. to have an influence, you know, the, the, depending on who you're targeting. But generally speaking, um, audiences nowadays are ever increasingly keen to have input and an impact on what it is that they're going to experience as opposed to the other way around where it's just prescribed and they're told, yeah. here's the here's the opportunity, here's the promotion, here's the experience that you can have in our venue. Yeah. It's you spoke, we listened, and as a result, here's how we're going to approach. How do you decide which audience to go for? That might be, is that a, I don't know if that's a really dumb question, but yeah, it's not. I mean, there's a lot of synergy in the subgroups that you would see Rebel going after, for example. Absolutely. Sort of outdoorsy, active, skate music, because a lot of creativity associated with those audiences as well. But, yeah. um, so is that a strategic play looking at the size of a potential audience and then, or was it about creating a collective of different audiences that were, that were essentially with? Yeah, I mean, all, and also... Yes. Um, wasn't a calculation based on what uh, was not being offered to an audience, so a gap yep. by you know, in, in popular culture. Yeah, I mean, I think 
um, you know, using obviously Red Bull as an example, um, there, there's the, the, the first stage of the approach, and this is relatively new given, mm. or compared to the time that I was at Red Bull, but the first stage of the approach is why are we doing this? You know, what, what are we hoping to achieve as a result of this particular activity, this piece of content, this workshop, this whatsoever? Um, and, and, you know, that, that can come from either an internal idea or concept or as a result of having spoken to the community, right? So I spoke to a few people or these guys are innovators in this particular scene and, you know, whether it's breakdancing or, you know, mixology or whatever it's called these days, but the idea of sort of harvesting that and understanding why you want to do something to me is, is the, the first step. And as far as understanding who your audience is, um, it, it certainly comes from that. So uh, in this particular area, we want to execute this activity or activation because we're aware of this particular audience that we want to connect with. So it kind of feeds on from that. Um, like Red Bull's approach was, uh, well, I think still is, um, around audiences. You know, So depending on where you're headed with stuff, so looking at from <clears throat> the core through to the mainstream, you know, uh, you know, depending on what you're trying to achieve, you might focus purely on the core or purely on the mainstream or there could be a series of things that kind of connect the two. Um, the one thing I would say is getting clear on who the core audience is is essential to ensuring that what you're doing is authentic. Yeah. Because if you're trying to do something in a particular field, focus, area whatsoever, um, regardless of whether it's to reach a mass audience or speak to the core, uh, if you want to maintain credibility, then you need to be able to speak the language of the scene or the area that you're operating in. And it doesn't matter if you're trying to, if you want to speak to a mass audience, still leveraging that and understanding that to make sure that you're not offending that maintains longevity for you to be able to continue to play in that space. Was it a feel thing or a, um, a percentage, a prescribed percentage thing as to how much time you spend focusing on the call versus... Because I would imagine you'd have obviously a much higher percentage on your call. Yeah. Is that, is that correct? Yeah. I mean, I think I used to think about it like so. Uh, I would say the first stage is to get it right with the call. Yeah. And then you're afforded the permission to, to play around with that. Yeah. Um, and and if you can get it right with them, uh, that audience, uh, not only do you get permission to you know move around from that and play around with it. But generally speaking, they'll want to participate and support the evolution of the innovation. Mm-hmm. And if you do it well, I'll be like, we appreciate that you've listened to us and, and thought about what it is that you're doing and, and you know, how can we help? You know, we've got visions and ideas about where this thing could lead. And again, whether it's um, you know, freestyle motocross, uh, b-boying or, you know, anything to do with, with hospitality, the same, mm-hmm. the same holds true. There's people that are innovating and that are leading the charge as far as these scenes and, and areas of industry are concerned and and if you can work with them and show that your motivation is to understand uh, and and help evolve what's going on then Mm. they'll become very powerful very powerful allies You're not just 
Tom from Red Bull. I think it's probably important for us to talk about it. Matt, you've obviously moved on, so I don't know, it'd be silly of us to just focus on Red Bull. Do you want to just bring to life a little bit the work that you're doing yeah. now and how you're sort of interacting with business and what you focus on? Yeah, I mean, I think um, it, it's it's come from my, my last few years at Red Bull, but essentially um, what I do now is, is it's a consultancy. Um, yeah. And it's, I'm still. Uh, refining and honing, you know, what do you do, Tom? Uh, <laughs> how long have you got? <laughs> no, uh, so it's, it's uh, predominantly in, you know, supporting individuals and teams uh, around getting where they want to be. Right. So whether that's in the field of strategy design and, and development and landing that, uh, whether it's, you know, uh, around teamwork, leadership, um, partnerships, mm-hmm. uh, but essentially it's, it's, Human focused, uh, predominantly behaviourally as opposed to skills. Yeah. Um, but around, um, yeah, supporting teams and individuals to get where they want to be, developing strategy, um, creating learning that supports evolution of internal culture, that supports evolution of leadership capabilities, and also um, drives better teamwork and collaboration in businesses. Mm. Yeah. It's such an interesting space. I've actually got two mates that have recently gone into right. quite large firms. Yeah. Um, I probably won't mention their names. One's one of the big four um, and the other one is a, a more boutique but, um, you know, really caters to the top end of town in, in that management consulting space. Right. Um, the, you know, for me, it's always recently been one of those spaces that's just dominated by buzzwords. And, it really and, uh, I, could, I could not agree with you more. I yeah. Know. I was thinking about this before we, before we sat together today um, and... You know, there's uh, looking at the the brief that you share ahead of the podcast so that people can get prepared. This idea of frontiers um, and you know where things are headed in regards to uh, you know management consulting and internal culture and this is human wide, it's global. Um, a potential frontier is is around um, skills and experience potentially taking a backseat to you know character personality. Yeah. Um, certain behaviours that you exhibit, uh, I think, is an interesting thing to think about. So, and uh, I, you know, it's been running around in my head for a while. But um, I saw a keynote speak by a, a pretty impressive human being by the name of Rachel Robertson, and she ran the one of the uh, Antarctic labs for a period of fifteen months. In the summer months, there was one hundred and twenty people there. In the winter months, it was eighteen. Mm-hmm. Uh, and how that came to, so she was running the station, you know, the, the head of, yeah. um, and she saw an ad in the newspaper that said, you know, here's an opportunity, and, and what we're looking for is someone who has, you know, personality attributes and characteristics that will survive these conditions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. Eighteen, sorry, yeah, 12, 15 months, um, you know, a core group of 18, none of whom know each other, yeah, um, or, or knew of each other before. Um, so essentially hired on you know, uh, who, she wa- who she was as a human being more than what she knew as far as her skill set or her yeah. experience was concerned. I mean, who you are as a human being is, is based on your experience anyway, but yeah. you know what I mean. So yeah, yeah. the idea of... Not know, technical knowledge, it's more... Um, yeah, well, mate, I can train you to put out a fire in a certain situation or yeah. I can show you how to use a laptop or a certain operating system or whatever. <laughs> what about a microphone? What about <laughs> a microphone? <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> Um, uh, that idea of, of you know thinking about 
um, the sort of culture that is going to drive your business forward yeah. as a leading thought is very interesting. So I mean, not to, not to throw out the baby with the bathwater. Do you know where that expression comes from, by the way? No, tell us. So the, the, back in the day, the, the oldest member of the family would bath first. So by the time the baby got to have a bath, the water was so murky that there was every chance that you could throw the baby out with the bathwater. Uh, <laughs> Apparently, that's where it came. That you clarified, because I was trying to work out how a baby would disappear down the... Yeah, no, no, this right. is like when you're throwing it Got it. This Got is super-duper tangential. <laughs> <laughs> back to it. Um, so the, the idea of um, that as a potential frontier, that, that idea of you know who you are as a human being and how you operate as a result, like behaviours and emotions, taking a lead role in how people are hired in order to create the internal culture that you want and then mm. you know will help you succeed. And if I think about it, a hospitality environment, you know, mm. uh, guest experience... <laughs> is where it's yeah. all at, right? And yes, there's things like, um, there's aesthetics, right? There's furnishings and there's lighting and there's artwork and there's whatsoever. But essentially, what, at least in my experience, what keeps me going back to certain venues is how someone makes you feel, Yeah. right? So it's not what they said or did, it's how they made you feel. Yeah. Uh, and if you're thinking about that and what it takes to create a culture and therefore an environment that people want to keep coming back to, thinking about how people behave and where their emotions are at and all that sort of thing is, is pretty important. Mm, it's something that I think about a lot. Obviously, I'm in mean, the people game. So, no doubt. Uh, yeah, it's super interesting because hospitality 100% is a, a, a sector or an industry powered, obviously, by people. Mm. Um, I was speaking to Dan Viney about it when we did a podcast with him a while ago and it's like if you, if you kind of – the way I always think about it is you, you sit in an empty venue, right? It has no soul, it's got nothing. It might be beautifully designed, it might be impeccably finished, but when there's no one in it and not many people get to see venues when they're completely empty, mm. there's only sort of the operators and owners and all staff that are walking around. Yeah. Every time you add a person in, that venue takes on a totally different character. Like if you were to put the nicest person in the world into that venue, venue it's just you and them, mm. that's a great experience in a really nice environment. Mm. If you brought the person that you least like in the world into that room, all of a sudden the venue has a totally different feel, right? Yeah. Um, but it's all too often that business operators will focus much more heavily on the skill set as opposed to the personality attributes, yeah. I think. And that's to, to the detriment. But getting really people good. to take the the risk around yeah, that, I was I say, yeah. changing the mindset that, that you know that, that is the best better way to do it. You might have to invest more in training and onboarding and, and, and develop a whole framework that sits around that approach. But yeah. the result will always be better in mind. Yeah, and I think that it's it's not to say. Um, I mean, there's there's I would, I would imagine I've not done the uh, <laughs> the insights research on this, but I'm sure that there's a huge pool of very skilled and experienced people that um, could plug into and add to different mm. cultures, internal cultures, that is. Um, so it, it's not like you have to just completely throw everything away and, and sort of start from scratch, but having it as as a heightened focus, um, I think, presents some pretty amazing opportunities. Mm. Um, so coming back to, I guess, your, um, your point, which I agree with, uh, is this idea of, you know, buzzwords and... And it's all—it's all very soft around the edges and whatsoever. I think that—that that is definitely changing. Mm. Um, and there's different organisations that are, <clears throat> I would say, um, 
doing a very good job. I, I think you know um, Canva is is one of them as yeah, an right. example. Yeah. Um, they're, they're heavily focused on that, uh, and they're knocking it out of the fucking park as well. <laughs> right, right. So if you look at it from a commercial standpoint, mm. uh, as well as you know, if you look at any uh, open position that's advertised uh, for, for Canva, um, the number of applications far exceeds anything I've ever seen. Yeah, right. People want to get in there. They want to be part of that. And then if you start to think about internal culture and, and focusing on that, uh, it, you know, um, I guess some of the things that we may touch on today around, you know, why it's important, you know, to me there's two massive parts to it, and it's reputation and legacy. So this idea of... Um, use Canva as an example, but people want to get in there because they've established a reputation around what it is, what it's like, how you're going to feel to be part of that business, not just what you're going to do and what you're going to mm-hmm. achieve. Yes, it's important, but that that's what's created that reputation and therefore that pull factor for people. So if, you know, if you're anyone in business, having that sort yeah. of thing happening is, is a massive upside, massive upside. I mean, uh, people are going to be talking about you even if they're not employees so when I go from that to so as far as the reputation piece mm. then to the legacy piece um, yeah, uh, the, the idea of and, and again think about hospitality sometimes it's considered or at least perceived as quite a transient yeah. industry right when it comes to employment as well. I'm just doing this whilst I whatsoever. <coughs> not for everyone 100% get that but that idea of um, uh, regardless of that fact and in fact it would, it would change that fact in my mind uh, investing into that and creating a situation whereby people find it really, really hard to leave mm-hmm. because of not only the, the experience that they're having and the way that they're feeling, but the, the, the growth that they're experiencing, the development they experience as a result, the networks they create as a result and all that sort of mm. stuff. What is it the camera are doing just to give us the insight? Like, well, oh. they, they've simply designed... Um, Culture message is that yeah. I mean, I think that there's there's a lot of um, so well. I would say first and foremost, they don't just say it; they do it. Yeah. Right. So I would say it's an important message that if uh, any business is going to start uh, talking about the importance of anything, in this case, we're talking about sort of culture. Yeah. Uh, unless you're prepared to commit and do something about it mm. and continue to do something about it, because it's a ongoing conversation mm. if you've found the solution and you're dead in the water um, then d- don't start yeah so Canva does that very well in the first place and then I would say sort of around that it's very uh, their, their approach um, the, the support mechanisms the opportunities whatever it's like this much annual leave and you get you know health and well-being this and access to gym and whatsoever but there's lots and lots of benefits that all point towards sort of he- healthy life not right. every healthy work Work life. It's just where we we understand that it's a busy world and very considerate of their teams, their employees' contexts. Yeah. As opposed to this is our culture and we'll tell you how to behave. It's we understand right. we understand where you're coming from and we want to try and do things that help support you know you being engaged and happy. It's it's yeah. pretty unique. Um, but it, as I said, it, it takes. Uh, Commitment and, and focus. Mm. For sure, it's not something that says, "Yeah, let's do culture." Right now, that's done. On to the next thing. <laughs> it's not work that way, unfortunately.
So uh, let's just ask this question: uh, What is culture, and why is it important? Yeah, one <laughs> I prepared earlier. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and a really easy one to answer. Uh, yeah, well. yeah, yeah. Um, so um, you know, doing, doing a bit of research, you know, the idea of, of culture, or at least uh, one of the online definitions, is the ideas, customs, and social behaviour of a particular people or society. Um, I guess another way to think about that, and this is we're talking about what is culture now, it's it's kind of a way of life, right? So uh, if you adapt that to an industry like hospitality, it's your way of life while you're at work. Yeah? So um, it's the personality of the workplace. It's, um, it's certainly, at least in my opinion, it's to, to, to uh, establish culture or, or identify it is less about, you know, um, staff drinks, after a shift, um, it, it's more about creating and harnessing the different personalities and characters uh, in a way that you know connects to the to the bigger picture of the business, and in a way that they also feel that they're contributing to that. Right? Mm-hmm. So it's, I come to work and I have a purpose. You know, I understand why I'm here, and I'm interacting with a group of people who, like-minded or not, feel the same way, and that's where we connect. Mm-hmm. And that idea of um, leaving leaving a, a workplace, feeling that you've, you've been able to contribute to that in a positive way, um, as well as, you know, and as a result, wanting to come back is, and, and do it all again, knowing that you can, uh, mm. that that to me is, is what culture is all about. So uh, it's it's less, you know, high fives and ping pong tables and free beers and staff parties and whatsoever. Sure, does that help with some connection? Absolutely. Yeah. But at the, the, the heart of it, I feel that it's, more to do with being open to the individuals that are connected to that, that higher, that bigger picture. You know, where, where are we, what are we working towards and do I feel like I'm able to contribute to that and, and how will I know? So once you get around that sort of stuff, that's what to me where that culture comes from, that connection comes from. Yeah, um, and by definition it can't sit still then because as the organisation is changing, particularly as we're talking in hospitality, potentially with transients of work, a forever, forever mission, isn't it? Like, I mean, even if even if the team of humans, that is the people, stayed the same, if we think about the amount of stimulus, uh, the the sources uh, that from which that comes, the the uh, I don't know, the evolution of technology, the evolution of human expectation around service or whatsoever experience, it's just constantly changing. Uh, so to have it as a an ongoing discussion um, mm. is, is really, really important. And it's not, when I say that, I don't mean, okay, let's all sit down around a table and talk about culture. Um, uh, but it's kind of, it's it's like that thing on your to-do list that you sometimes maybe don't want to do or you're maybe not sure how to approach. It just kind of keeps being pushed down the list. Yeah. And if that happens, then that's where you start to get that disconnect from saying that you're going to do something versus saying it and then actually taking action. So we found the topic of diversity, which is, I guess, one of the things that has been, in this space anyway, mm. like, talked about a lot, and uh, we touched on it when we did the Connect event uh, last week. We, and, and using my own experience, you know, I, um, uh, as an example, uh, having worked in, say, an engineering environment on construction sites, mm. like, 
I think there was one female in, in, on a side 400, as an example, right. and uh, a pretty, um, I guess, Caucasian workforce. Um, and then, you know, then into a law firm and now into a media organisation where it's almost the polar opposite. Like, there's such a, like, diversity of people, like, ethnicities, ages, gender, all the rest of it. And um, I can't help but think that when I look back at the more uniform situation, um, it's an easier culture to maintain because people are similar. Whereas, you know, maybe this is me getting older, in a in a truly diverse workplace, it is a more proactive energy that um, is required, sort of not just by uh, the leader, but I would say of everyone to, to, to kind of commit to some of those principles you're talking about. Is that yeah, it? I, I, absolutely. So thinking about the like, the, the idea of diversity is, uh, and whether it's diversity or 20 people watching a car crash, everyone's got a different perspective, right? So that idea yeah. of um, getting around it in a way that um, kind of brings down the, the barriers to entry, if you like. Yes. Uh, what, what is, what do we, when, when we talk about diversity, what do we mean? Mm. What exactly are we talking about? And how do we, you know, coming back to that idea of, investigating audiences or whatsoever, does that actually connect with whatever society's expectations are or whatsoever? But mm. getting clear on what it actually means in the first place allows people to understand it and interact with it in a way that they feel safe. You know? So I don't know, to, to draw a parallel to my former life, working on a, a culture marketing program that was predominantly in the music space, no one else in the business really knew what I was doing. Right? They were like, oh, you just go over there and do your cool shit, Tom. <laughs> If I can play at a music festival or whatever, um, which, which you know, in hindsight was was my fault because I didn't bring people into the picture. Or, or tactically brilliant. Or, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that really time someone else would pay for it. Um, but that idea of sort of helping people understand what you mean when you say diversity mm. helps them grab onto it and do something about it. Yeah? If, if people are unsure, generally they're, they're going to shy away from that because they're like, well... I'm not really sure how to, what you're saying or how to interact with that, let alone contributing to it. So that would be a, a big thing, I think. Mm. Um, and then, yeah, to your point, Michael, I think you know the idea of having it as, a, as an ongoing conversation, but in a way that is, is, is clearly and positively intentional. Mm. Yeah, um, for sure. Yeah, and just um, like uh, you know, we're using you as the. Sherpa, in this instance, to give us a bit of a quick note on uh, some of the trends or, you know, I guess we use the word buzzwords, but what are the popular topics around um, culture, leadership, management, these issues at the moment, like look, looking out there? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think that, um, you know, there's, there's a couple of, um, there's plenty of people playing in the space, but the more uh, well-known figures, I would say, the likes of sort of Simon Sinek and Brene Brown as a couple of examples. And, you know, um, the, the, the reason I think they're so prolific is because their approach to talking about, you know, culture and leadership is so readily applicable to any scenario, mm. right? So they, they talk about things around leadership and that, that idea of, um, as we were just talking about, you know, a, a leader is, is about sort of inspiring and empowering and taking all the blame and none of the credit and that sort of thing. So the, 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 um, some of the concepts, well, I mean, the concepts around leadership really haven't 
change that much, and nor should they. It's, it's pretty straightforward. I would I would suggest. Yes, yeah. it's, it's this idea of um, uh, being open and willing to create environments that help support a certain outcome. Mm. Yeah, and that's both by way of an individual's development, um, a team's success, or commercial success. Mm. Um, I wonder whether, like with Cynic in particular, like it, it's. I'm, and I'm so curious in this. Um, uh, observation you're having the, the world's facing a different set of challenges than it has in the past um, and I can sort of accept the thesis that leadership itself hasn't really changed but maybe the way we look at it in the context of evolving problems or challenges or opportunities mm. may have helped uh, may have driven some of the shift in how we're discussing this mm. uh, might be um, part of the reason he's due, he's sort of rising to a bit more popularity yeah I, I mean I think um you know, old, old school leadership is standing at the front of a room or in front of a group of people and telling them where they are and telling them where they need to be and telling them to go and get it the fuck done. Yeah. yeah and, and, you know, that's evolved and um, eh, into, I guess, where, where it is now, which is around that idea what we just discussed, um, getting around your people and understanding, you know, what's required for them to... Uh, be engaged and feel like they're contributing and, and committing to the process of that being a part of your, your day-to-day operation. You'll be a woman soon. I love you so much, can't count all the ways I've died for you, girl, and all they can say is he's not your kind. But never get tired of putting me down. I've just got to go here, and I'm sorry if this one's just the, um, you know, the one that everyone sighs at in conferences. But like um, with millennial, the discussion around millennial um, workforces mm. and um, and how to lead, manage. Like, um, what's your start of the five on that? Is it just the same thing that we've always based, or is it actually, you know, it does this generation of you know the workforce present specific challenges that um, are unique um, never before seen yeah and and I think sorry to start because mm. in terms of the, the hospitality sector yeah uh, and in Australia uh, you know, that we're talking about this is uh, you know a big chunk of um, the employees I guess mm. you guys know better than me but yeah yeah, yeah. yeah I mean I think that the, um, there might be some unique challenges associated with that demographic for sure, um, the I don't know, my, my my focus in in with my business now is very much around sort of um, how humans behave and, and what stimulates positive interaction and collaboration and therefore higher performance. Mm. Um, so uh, whether you're a millennial or a baby boomer, for the most part, our brains are, are at least very similar. Well, let's not say the same, but at least very similar. Um, does that necessarily mean that the needs are the same? No, but the approach of you know understanding an individual's context and where they're coming from, what's motivating them, you know, why are they saying this? Why are they doing that? As opposed to, well, they shouldn't be doing that. They should be doing this. They don't know what they're doing whatsoever. You know, it's that idea of again, it's that idea of slowing down the speed up. It's you know rather than rather than rush in and, and come with a you know when when you find yourself saying should a lot, you're you're in a, in a challenging spot. I would mm. say. Um, because that's you impressing your expectations, which may not be very clear on someone mm. who 
doesn't have those same expectations, nor have they had the same life or experience that you've had. So that idea of sort of pulling yourself back a little bit and understanding yeah. their context yeah. can start to, to um, not necessarily disarm, but you know some of the challenges that that you might face with with millennials, whether it be in the hospitality or other industries. Again, you know, we talked about understanding audiences, people want to be heard. If you're willing and you've got a positive intention of understanding someone's context in order to make the situation better, then they're going to engage with that. Sure. What if you don't agree? I have experienced before. Which one of your staff members are you talking no, about? No, no, yeah. no. no, 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 no okay. Um, but it, I guess... This is kind of two parts to this. I mean, the role of leadership versus the role of management in yeah. culture is one that I think, you know, there's probably, I don't know if you put a high percentage on one's um, um, impact or maybe it shifts depending on where the culture is at in its sort of life cycle or its state of positivity or negativity. But also, I guess, the question around, is there are people in organisations who are great for culture, who understand the long-term vision and have bought in mm. but can't contribute to it? Mm -hmm. How do you manage those situations, do you think? Uh, I mean, it, there's so many different scenarios and situations mm. that you could be involved in. Before I answer that, I'll, I'll go back to that idea of sort of um, leadership and management and, and um, setting yourself up for success with both by way of you know, things as exciting as systems and processes, but also you know things like core, core behaviours or values mm. and understanding those and setting those up so that and having a process uh, or a, 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 an induction or whatsoever in place so that as people are coming into your business, they're aware of the expectations associated with being part of that. Being part of that. So you kind of give yourself a, a benchmark on that. I think if from there uh, you find yourself in a situation where people are you know, bought into some part of that but not able to contribute to mm -hmm. it, that's a, that's, a, that's a discussion and potentially a different um, course of action required. Mm. Uh, not everyone is going to be able to to get it done on, mm. on all fronts, and and for sure, not everyone is going to be. Uh, no one is going to be a hundred percent. Maybe the, the the venue owner, for example, because it's it's their kind yeah. of baby. But um, you know, if there is a situation whereby you know uh, get the culture and and are you know supporting and can contribute to that, but not necessarily contribute to the to the bigger picture, it's understanding why that's the case mm. um, and, and, and setting a course of action from there, I would say. Yeah, and basically go understand or get clear in your own head as to what's more important. Yeah, absolutely. Because there could be a case to say that the cultural contribution or contribution to the culture is has actually better long-term benefits for the rest of the team and their ability to contribute to the long-term vision, perhaps. And, and is, is the person... Um, you know, have they got their New South Wales driver's license and you put them in a space shuttle? <laughs> you know, it's like, well, if you're great at uh, understanding and contributing to the culture, but you're in a position where that's not necessarily, not necessarily being harnessed, uh, is there another yeah. way to approach? You know, I, do, I don't know, the Gallup Strengths Finder is, is uh, an online thing where you fill out a bunch of questions and it gives you your top five as whatever communication or achiever or restorative or positivity or whatsoever. So that idea of understanding where people are strong mm. and, and putting them in positions that can contribute to the bigger outcome yeah. is, is a consideration as well. You know? Yeah. 
Tiger Woods, uh, he's, he had a coach, maybe not the best example, but let's go. <laughs> um, he, had a, he had a coach. Uh, he was he's terrible, yeah, terrible. He's a pro golfer that's more prolific than most, I would imagine. Um, but uh, he, was, he was deemed as, from a pro perspective, being really shit at uh, playing uh, the ball out of bunkers, right. out of the sand. And he had a, a coach at one stage that said, right, we've just got to go in and in and in and in and in until you get good at this. And then he was like, this isn't working, and ended up changing coaches. And his next coach said, fuck that. Let's just get you, like, you're so good off the tee. Let's just get you so good off the tee that you don't end up in the bunker. Because <laughs> yeah. you're already good there, so let's work with that. Yeah. So that idea of, like, you know, again, understanding people's characteristics, what they're good at, where yeah. can you play to their strengths and how can that contribute to your bigger picture? It's the, and that's the Gen Y topic I think that a lot of hospitality or some hospitality businesses have nailed yeah. um, in leaning into right. the characteristics that some might perceive as being negative, but the connectivity and the willingness to try new things mm. or to, um, you know, there's a high level of confidence typically across that um Generation, so they they'll attack things with probably less hesitance or resistance as maybe people from my generation. So businesses can really tap into that and actually try and find ways to um, I don't know, harness it. Absolutely, seek benefit from it. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it's, I think it can also, you know, if we're talking, if we are talking about internal culture, when people see that happening, that can definitely drive further engagement into the opportunity that presents itself as being part of a particular business. Mm. Wow, they've seen that and they've done this and now this is happening. This is, that's amazing. Like, where's the opportunity for me here? It's not about changing everyone's role so that they're, you know, it's all happy days, but the idea of, you know, the one path is to go down and it's kind of that performance management or a managing out of the business. Yeah. And the other is to say, well, is there something here that we're not yet thinking about, that we're not yet aware of that can contribute to our business success. Mm-hmm. So I, I guarantee you this is a topic that a lot of people will be listening to and just thinking, nah. <laughs> Too hard. Like, you know, like, you know as, as pub, pub owners, but they would, they would be. Like, yeah. pub, publicans, pub owners, restaurant owners, busy people, totally. not, find, not having a whole heap of expendable or disposable time to sit down and, you know, ask, you know, why are you feeling this way? How can I, you know, it's, it's a lot of people are running, they're busy, they're, yeah. and they expect you know precision in the way that they operate. So implementing it is is probably number one challenge. Yeah, and it's I mean I don't know, mate. I think about the first time I learned to drive a car. There was a manual, and I was shitting in my pants. And there was a clutch, and a gear stick, steering wheel, indicator, car key, radio, less radio, but you know it was really really clunky. Mm. Yeah, and now I'm. Not texting while I'm driving, definitely not texting while I'm driving, <laughs> but I can, you know, to, to your um, uh, preferred uh, cuisine, I can be McDonald's, eating a cheeseburger, yeah, changing gears, listening to the back of house podcast, uh, listening to the back of house podcast, <laughs> calling Michael saying, why did you put that bit in? <laughs> so that idea of, of, of learning something new, and, and I get everyone's busy, everyone's running, mm. and it's, it's, I don't know, when you, when you think about something that you're less experienced in, it can feel like a, a quite a big picture. Totally. If you just start doing stuff, it's actually not that big a picture. Are there any more you know, passive not... tools that you think work around gaining feedback or gaining insight into teams? I remember, and this is a really rudimentary example, back at, at Cargo when I was 
when I was running that, we had a letterbox there and people could just drop their thoughts into it completely anonymous. For and sure. the amount of insight and feedback that you got that helped you understand the people that were in your business yeah. was actually really valuable. So I don't know if there are any techniques or anything that you've ever seen works that might enable people who are time poor to actually start acknowledging some of this. Yeah, stuff. I mean, that, that sort of stuff, whether it's a, a letterbox or, a, you know, this is what's winning. Um, another business that I've done some some work with, um, ahead of their of their senior leadership team meeting, and this just because it was an SLT doesn't mean that it couldn't be used for anyone. But the leader of that team, a few days before, would uh, send out a, a communication that says, "Send me your your top top ten anxieties. Right. You know, what stuff is keeping you awake at night? As far as the you know the professional environment, right. <laughs> yeah. uh, give me stuff that I can do something with." Um, and and that kind of guided that conversation. So yeah. you know that idea of you know of the let's call it ten people, um, there would be some patterns emerging around three topics, and as opposed to sitting down and, and having a discussion about here's a business update and blah blah blah, mm-hmm. it's like you know some people have spoken, we've heard you, uh, so let's talk about these things and, and sort of unearth where it's at and what we can do about it. So mm-hmm. the, the, you know things like that. But I mean the idea of you know uh, anonymity. Can, can be pretty helpful and, and help um, harvest real insights and feedback. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, the idea of, again, um, you know, assuming that you know where the, the podcast is being recorded and finding out that it's being recorded somewhere else is a, is, is a bit of a challenge. Bit, bit of a tangent there. <laughs> That's what I did today. <laughs> um, so, so rather than um, saying, you know, do this or do that, there's a couple of ideas there. Your, your letterbox idea, the you know, harvesting uh, insight and feedback from people around stuff that's pissing them off or that's exciting them or, you know, let's flip it on its head and be like, what ideas do you have for the, for the evolution mm. of this venue? Or is there something that you've seen, heard, experienced and you think you can contribute in here, like doing it that way? But I guess where I'm going with that is just ask them. How, how, do you, how do you want to keep, we want, I want, as the, the manager, venue owner, yeah. Group director whatsoever, you know, there's however many brains in front of me right now, and I've only got one, and I'm, yeah. I'm pretty flat out, so I'd love for you guys to know that there's an opportunity to contribute to where this business is headed, and the reason I'm telling you this is because I'm excited about this as an opportunity. People straight away, they're like, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I don't know. I, I read yeah, the, the comment yeah. thread is... Ask. Just I mean, you ask. said it right at the beginning. The letterbox is a form of asking. Yeah. The email is a form of asking. Asking yeah. is a very good form of asking. Yeah. Like, yeah. That's, that's, like, um, yeah. And asking, asking how you want to be asked. <laughs> well, yeah. Do, do you want to do it in a, in a group forum? Do you want a letterbox? Meetings, you want a Facebook group, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and it's, um, I think it may be Cynic himself, but um, I, I definitely am finding this that. It's it's almost harder to um, sit and actively listen than it is to speak. You know, it's a, so it's really tiring to, to to kind of actually take on board what's being said and then to mm. think about it, um, and, and then and, and obviously then uh, apply action, implement, mm. and, and and also face the consequences of what it means. Because mm, um, the if you don't if you go through the process to end up with the same product that you currently have. Then you haven't really, arguably, haven't really listened. And I think um, mm. there's something I want to sort of um, seg into, which is that uh, going back to this um, cause-based um, approach that businesses are taking, and 
and linking it to the diversity topic. Um, the other day I was on a panel with uh, Westpac, um, CMO, uh, and, um, and you know, what we've got, four, four banks have basically market the same product the same way for however long we can remember, essentially. Mm. And, um, and you kind of, yeah, anyone who's ever tried to close an account at Westpac will understand their strategy to customer retention. Uh, it's not only <laughs> possible. Um, but um, but the, the thing I was um, thinking about uh, and, and came up in that is that I think from what I can understand, they've kind of got um, first mover advantage in the banking sector on marketing with a more diverse mm-hmm. mindset. Mm-hmm. And um, I might have simplifying this, of course, but the, the, the thing that the CMO mentioned is that uh, having opened the door to a new way of thinking, Westpac's people are partly now driving the changes. So, so it's this um, insight about uh, if, and, and obviously as a, as a big four bank, um, they they are actually a huge you know employer and also a huge a huge number of customers in the bank. You know, it's mm. kind of an interesting thing to think about, and and um, and uh, you know it. it but I think there's got to be a bravery associated with leadership to, you know, 100%. Um, that, that, so what we were talking about before is if you're going to talk about uh, culture being important, then you better be prepared to do something about it. And that idea of, um, you know, taking action uh, and to, I think to what you're saying uh, is, you know, being prepared to experience what's going to come back up the line yeah. uh, and do it in a way that, you know, maintains your positive intent, right? Yeah. So the, having having an ambition or, or a positively stated intent around why you're stepping into and focusing on the space of culture or diversity, quite frankly, it's all interlinked. Yeah, correct. I think it's just a kind of issue of the day, isn't Without it? Without a doubt. Yeah. Um, it is, is really important uh, and having a think about, you know, how you're going to manage yourself <laughs> and just being... Um, prepared for that not not i mean uh, i did some training recently around uh neuro-linguistic programming and there's an option to either react or respond and if you react you're operating as a more immature version of yourself Mm. and if you respond you're dealing with what's actually happening you're dealing with the reality so that's that's the space that you want to be in and be prepared for that Uh, and you know uh, if you're going to open the doors to get insights, feedback, complaints whatsoever, it's about saying, you know, this is all information that's going to help me get better and get where I want to be as a, as a venue owner, as a manager, as a bar staff, as a whatsoever, you know, the, the idea of that feedback um, is, yeah. It's such a, like, particularly just now thinking this through in the hospitality space, and mm-hmm. maybe this might be a question for you, Luke, like the thing that we are talking about is challenges in uh, millennial uh, recruitment, maintenance, mm. and retention. Um, we also know that we have uh, venues that are struggling to get millennials into them, mm. um, but the ownership interests of those venues are often non-millennial. So the, the, it's a, if you would apply that Westpac thinking, it's like, well, let the lunatics run the asylum for a bit and see what happens, right? Like, I think it's sort of like an element of that to it if you're an older person like myself, you know. Do you know what? There's, there's a guy by the name of Patrick Lencioni uh, who talks about functional teams and what it takes for teams to function well. And the foundation of everything is trust. Uh, the way to establish trust quickly is through vulnerability, showing vulnerability and expressing empathy. 
So as a venue owner who's maybe not as well connected to a millennial audience, saying, do you know what, I've got no idea what I'm doing here, and I'd really appreciate some input, mate, they're, they're yours, mate. They're, mm. they're in the palm of your hand, provided you're willing to listen and not listen to respond, but listen to understand and then take the appropriate action. Mm. Don't ask the question if you're not willing to do something about it, I would mm. say. Yeah, and look, I think it comes back. I mean, the, the whole react versus respond thing yeah. is what I think ties back into what you were saying before around hiring for personality. Yeah. For me, the right personality will respond properly in the situations in which they're placed, whereas most likely the wrong personality will be the one that's going to react because they're not feeling comfortable, they're not absolutely they're not in an environment where they're feeling that trust or um, another way to think about another way to think about it is um, the idea of probability versus possibility. Yeah. So someone who's reacting is operating on probability. Yeah. You know, someone who's responding is thinking about the possibility. Yeah. You know, and if I think about, you know, a guest experience, um, you know, and responding and thinking, where could this potentially go in a positive way? Mm. There's, there's nothing bad that could really happen with that, you know? Yeah. That, that idea. And people feel that. You know, you feel when someone is um, responding and engaging and uh, it's, a, it's a human need for us to connect with each other. Yeah. You know, and it's, 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 if someone has got that in mind and they're able to maintain themselves and their character in a way that brings that to bear, then it's, it's Can't describe nothing but positive. Mm. That's long, that's sure. life. Guess all good things come with time. I wanna know you, though, not just what's on your mind. I wanna show you, though, don't just watch from your eyes. I wanna know you, though, not just what's in your life. I wanna grow too, though, not just watch from the side. And I can't pretend that I don't even know why. It's uh, this fantastic leading podcast for the hospitality Can industry. Is plural? <laughs> Who are able to drive and listen at the same time? Um, like, you know, like just the the you've got a lot of hospitality professionals, people, owners of venues, running venues, uh, supplies to the industry. Mm. What are the kind of key factors for them to achieve high performance through their teams? Yeah, I mean, I guess I mean, in in my experience, um, uh, the the leading. Uh, factor is for people to, to understand what the expectation is, um, getting really clear about you know, where the business is, where the business wants to be, uh, and what's needed to get there, which plugs into the idea of high performance and engaging with you know, the business as a whole is the first step. Um, it's very hard to get where you want to be if you don't know where that is, uh, let alone bring other people with you. Um, uh, the the you know we talked about um, the, the concept of recognition driving high performance or potentially not. Um, I think another key factor when it comes to high performance and people engaging in teams or in the wider organisation is is the idea of, of feedback. Um, so you know uh, often is the case that the perception of someone saying hey can I give you some feedback you know you start to shrink down in your seat or, you know, get, get a bit of a fight or flight response where it, it certainly doesn't need to be that. And, um, so feedback, you know, when, when given well and given often um, is, is a great driver for people to understand where they're doing well and keep doing more of that as well as understand maybe where they're not 
but in a way that's constructive and creative and if it's part of an, an ongoing discussion and conversation, it can be, I would say, the most effective tool to drive learning uh, in situ or on the job. Yeah? Mm. This is not, don't go do a course, don't read a book, don't do an e-learning, just have lots of feedback happening that's associated with the mission of the business and the, the values or the beliefs or the behaviours or whatsoever. It's the best tool, hands down, no matter where you work or what you do, to drive learning, uh, development, and high performance. I don't want to interrupt you, Flo, but like yes, in please. terms of the feedback thing, um, best done in person, face to face. Is there an app that can replace that combination, written? Like? Yeah, I mean, uh, again, my, my perspective now, but uh, without a doubt, it's it's best done in person. Mm. Absolutely. Uh, it certainly um, needs to be timely, and timely doesn't mean immediately. Some people don't respond very well to that, especially if it's something around, you know, constructive feedback. Yeah. Hey, let's quick, quick, let's have a chat. And, and often is the case if, if that's the situation, that the feedback can start to find itself based in emotion as opposed to data. Mm, right, that's so, the stuff of micromanagement, isn't it? Like the, the right. immediate. Quick, got to let it, got to, got to, yeah. got to get onto this, got to fix this. Mm. Is the world going to stop turning? Probably not. Mm. Is there a better time where I could be more effective with my feedback in a way that's going to have a longer lasting and more positive impact, regardless of whether it's you did that great or next time it would be great if we could have it like this. Mm. Um, so finding the right time um, to do that. So face-to-face, finding the right time, uh, checking in with the individual to say, hey, you're in the right space for me to give you some feedback. I'm going to get the, the more mm. that you have feedback as part of a conversation, the less clunky this becomes. Yeah, back to the yeah. car analogy, but saying, hey, I've, I've got some feedback for you. Is, is now a good time? Yes, it is. No, it's not. Okay, cool. Yes, it is. Proceed. No, it's not. When would be a good time? Or no worries. I'll check back in with you at another time and mm-hmm. we, can, we can get to it then. Oh, okay, cool. No worries. So, you know, check in. It has to be, has to be data-based and it has to be your perspective, not someone else's. Mm. Everyone thought that that was great. Oh, that's nice. But what I observed when you said X, Y, and Z to that customer who wanted this beer, but we it was you know we'd run out, so they had to have that beer, was amazing, and you really converted them. You made the sale, and you know established more trust with that customer. Data-based. What I saw, what I heard, you know, what I read, less so, but what I saw or what I heard. So base it in data, and then share the impact for for yourself. As a result, I felt like I could just let go of the situation. You had it in hand, yeah. and it made me feel pretty relaxed, actually. You know, I, I think keep doing that because the more you do that, the less I have to worry about it. Mm. Oh, okay, cool. That's interesting. You know, that's that's where you start to um, create. You don't say empowerment; you just deliver it. Don't tell me you're awesome. Just show me awesome shit. <laughs> yeah, you know, we started so. talking this about this topic. Around recognition, yeah. I mean, recognition realistically is another bird feedback, right? Yeah, like you are just recognizing, and we're talking about it. We'll raise it because I, I think it'd be good for other people to hear you talk about it as well. Um, referencing my time at Keystone, where we would poll 1,500, 1,600 staff, whatever we had, mm-hmm. um, and the overriding feedback was that we didn't recognize performance enough. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's something that I think happens in my business, you know. Perhaps my focus has been on 
<laughs> I would say, but you know, people that maybe sit at the bottom of the performance tree, um, whereas <laughs> it should be. So it's right there, that doesn't it? But the focus, I guess, uh, I've recently learnt should be on the top performers because if you're focusing on the bottom performers, you are invariably going to be pushing them. Um, towards better performance, whereas focus on people who are already performing yeah. will actually pull the underperformers with them because you know they've got a better model for what performance looks like. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, what are you? What's your? What are your thoughts on that? To- totally. I mean, I think uh, when it comes to recognition, um, uh, yeah, I think it's essential, and and you know that idea of. I think recognition and feedback sit alongside each other. They're not necessarily the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so when it comes to recognition, it's it's you know being hyper aware of all that's going on, um, as opposed to um, being drawn by a potentially an unconscious bias to someone who's always performing really well. So if you're going to recognise one, you need to be prepared to recognise all should the opportunity present itself. Yeah. The other part to that, I would say, is that. Um, Everyone is different as far as their expectations or their wishes in regards to how they're recognised. Yeah. So if you were to get some potentially someone up in front of a room full of their peers and go, "Look how awesome uh, you know Michael is! Why he did this great job!" and you're like, "Yeah, I don't want to be here, mate. I'm sweating bullets. Just get me the hell out of here." An email or a high five or a hey, that was great. As as a passing comment, could be that preferred method. So there, there, I would say there are a couple of guidelines for that. Where I think that it's uh, different with feedback is that re- recognition is generally speaking, and happy to, to hear otherwise, um, it's it's focused on performance or it's always a very positive thing. Yeah, um, I, I'm not sure about you, but I've never heard someone say, oh, I learned that the easy way. Mm. So that idea of um, it's it's definitely a, 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 it has positive impact and can generate further momentum as far as someone doing something great and and therefore understanding that it's important and doing more of that. Mm. Where I think feedback is different is that it can have a longer lasting effect around the development of both individuals and teams as a whole on a, on a much longer term basis. Right. You know, so you, you, think, see, you, you think about it like the, the golden handshake, right? I've had enough. I'm leaving this job. No, here's another ten thousand dollars. How long does it take for that individual to fall back into what they were thinking before? Mm. Not very long. No. Yeah. Ten grand. No, that's right. I really hate this. Yeah. <laughs> you know. So I, I'm not saying that recognition doesn't play a role, um, but I think feedback is a stronger framework to evolve both individual and team performance and sustain high performance as a result. Mm. Cool. Yeah. It, um, we were the, the sort of opening to this was sort of factors contributing to high performance. Like, yeah. were you any more pearls of wisdom? Um, um, I just uh, getting getting to know um, who your team or teams are, and this is not all on you know a, a venue owner or a, a manager or whatsoever, but as a, as a group of humans that are you know involved in a focused pursuit, yeah, that we're, we're in this together is getting to know and understanding each other beyond your your job description or the perception of that I have of 
you, you know, it's, it's invest some time in understanding who these people are as human beings because that's going to result in uh, better connectivity and understanding of each other's context and therefore you can interact more effectively. I would say that's that's a big one. Um, uh, I guess sitting alongside that is the, the idea of removing assumptions, kind of a similar thing. Um, and depending on how comfortable you are, um, you know, empowering your staff and, and, and setting up a, a situation whereby, you know, not only do you say that there's um, no fear of failure, but you actually let that play out. It's not about actually seeking, <laughs> and, you know, like the Zuckerberg move fast and break shit. No, mate, that's not what it's like from my perspective now. That's not what it's about. But letting, letting um, again, learning learning the hard way, is, is, uh, there's, there's emotion associated with that and therefore it's, it goes into your long-term memory. Yeah? Mm-hmm. This is how we evolve as, as human beings. So um, that idea of, of no fear of failure, but with, again, with very positive intent, allows for people to attach themselves to different scenarios, learn from those, and, and elevate their, their performance as a result. This is a bit of a um, um, tangent, but, you know, in, in terms of your time, like working with Red Bull, from takes back there, like, it was there for quite a long time, and so the business would have evolved. Did the ability and desire for failure change over that period of time? So in the beginning, we were... Was the company more willing to fail than it was forty three? Was it years later when you forty three? <laughs> yeah. yeah, they don't even have a Zimmer friend that can support my friend. <laughs> um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, um, I think you know. I remember when I started, I was working in the on premise team, so I was working with uh, bar owners and bar managers and trying to secure first and foremost ranging, but then. Um, Interaction, activation, marketing in venue that would you know bring the brand through. And before I started, I was started you know four months after the brand launched in Australia. And there was there was a guy cruising around in his car, and he, he, he I remember he walked into and I found out after the fact, obviously, but he walked into the Surf Rock down in Colorado, down at Colorado Beach. Mm. Uh, the venue is big enough for maybe 150 people, maybe. Um, and it was like it was a shit up. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, no, uh, and he walked in there and he was like, I really want to place a fridge on your bar. We're trying to get some brand exposure. I'll give you five grand. You know, so that idea of, to your point, Michael, is, you know, moving quickly and, and very agile and, you know, messing stuff up yeah, was, was much more um, uh, accepted. Yeah. It was actually embraced. Yeah. yeah. Let's go, you know, let's see, let's see what we can break and see yeah. how we can upset things and whatever. Uh, I would say nowadays it's it's very different. There's a lot more people involved in um, even the simplest of decisions. Yeah. Uh, right. Because it's just the way that it's a big organisation. Yeah. So, yeah. The potential ramifications, the consequences for even little things or things that you might perceive as being little could be quite yeah. substantial. Did that drastic, did the cultural shift in the company drastically impact, and this might be a really dumb question, but your personal willingness for failure or openness to try things that could fail because you're probably less likely to do that at the beginning of your career in a company that was willing to fail because you don't want to do the wrong thing. But then after 17 years, it have been there for a long time. So you had got a bit of grace up your sleeve to fuck up a couple yeah. of times and still get away with it. You know? <laughs> yeah. So yeah. 
You'd find people so I, I use all of that grace. Huh? <laughs> um, I, don't, I, I, I don't know that, that, that idea of sort of you know decide whether you want to ask for permission or forgiveness. Um, yeah, I was certain, and it's just a, a personal MI or a, a characteristic of mine. Um, uh, regardless of my time at Red Bull, if I was uh, if I had strong belief in what it was that I was about to do, delivering a potential great outcome, mm. I would go and do it. Yeah, right. Yeah, and I would suffer the consequences should it go south. Yeah. Um, did it, does it change or has it changed? You know, obviously I'm still in touch with a few crew, but I think it's it's different. You know, people are, as you would expect, you know, people are both considerate and weary. Yeah. <laughs> I understand the structure and, and the, the necessary processes and I'm also aware that, you know, this could have substantial consequences. So, mm. Mm. It's like anything, you know, if, if, if a smaller organisation is going to be more agile, they're going to be able to make faster decisions, take action faster whatsoever than, mm. you know, larger businesses. I don't know, Microsoft and their, their head of business might change that, but... Um, I don't know, let's just ask Bing. That's it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> No, yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> I thought that. But, but that idea of sort of letting, Google it. Letting, like, let people, uh, you know, you want to mitigate as much risk as possible, right? You don't want to jeopardise your business. But letting people take ownership of a situation uh, and use the failure not as the full stop, but as the, actually the jumping off point to advance their performance mm. and having that start to come into the culture. Yep. Do you know what, Pat? You've done it once. Do your best not to do it again, and mm. let's not learn the hard way twice. Yeah, you know, yeah. what, what have you? The, the, I mean, it's no different to storytelling, right? The, the idea of when you come to the end of your story, particularly if it's a personal story, the key full stop is to say, "What have you learned?" Mm. Right. So it's not about what did you mess up. It's like, what are you going to do differently as a result? Yeah. Or what would you say something? What, what would you say differently? How would you act differently? How would you operate differently? Mm. Yeah. That's what all points to engagement in a business, ambition to contribute, and, and high performance. Absolutely. Nicely into our um, final five questions. Because I've been dying to ask you this. The first question we always ask. I've been dying for you. Ask me. <laughs> <laughs> what book or uh, have you recently read or podcast do you listen to? But I'm going to extend that question because you must seek a lot of forms of knowledge uh, or information mm. around these topics. Where, where are you pulling that? So answer that the question as yeah. I guess. But like for anyone that's interested in staying up to date on. A trends um, in, the, in the people space. Are there any sort of go-to resources that you, you yeah. kind of you live in? Yeah, yeah totally. I mean, um, a book. I don't know how recently I read it, but it's it's a it's an interesting one around harnessing uh, your brain and its ability to think big. Um, it's called it's called Your Brain at Work, um, and it's a really interesting book in that. Really interesting. I think it's really interesting um, in that it, it uses. Uh, you know, uh, insights around brain sites, but in a way that's really accessible and then applies it to a scenario before and after the fact. 
So uh, you read a scenario before, uh, it illustrates some of the things that were going on, and then it shows a scenario that has as how that previous scenario could play out differently as a result of having that knowledge. So it's quite interesting right. in regards to just human interaction. Right. So whether you're uh, facilitating a workshop, uh, facilitating a guest experience, running a, uh, working with a team of people whatsoever. It's, it's quite interesting. Really, it's not too, um, you know, sciencey, hypothetical out there. Mm. It's really uh, applicable. I'll tell you, uh, the Harvard, Harvard Business Review, I, I subscribe to that, and there's just so much stuff on there that is a quick and easy read that gives you, you know, here are six steps when it comes to interacting with a millennial individual. These are some of the things that you should be thinking about if you want them to feel like they're engaged and you understand where they're coming from. So stuff like that, like snackable, snackable sized content, really mm. easy read. Um, <clears throat> what else? I mean, I, I follow the likes of uh, Simon Sinek and, and Brene Brown on LinkedIn as well. Yeah. And again, they give you just really easy, actionable stuff. You know, I can like literally take that and go on. Potentially speak to my wife, sorry, Gabby, uh, and do it differently. Mm. So that, there's, there's a lot of, I mean, there's plenty of access out there, but I would say that the Harvard Business Review, um, you know, there's a, a free and a subscriber-based model, and even just the, the free stuff is really, it's just very um, pragmatic. Well, yeah. Yeah, cool. Oh. Long answer. No, it's good. Um, I know you've always been really into your music, so you, you can feel free, feel Free to throw out a couple of uh, couple of options here. You might have to give us like your top two or three albums of all time. Well, <laughs> <laughs> um, and artists right now. So give us your top three albums. Top and three current artists. Just off the top of your head. Don't think about it too long. Yeah. Do you know what? Um, when I was when I was a kid, uh, my, my sister, who's two years older than me, was right into U uh, two. So uh, I would say one of my top albums would be Rattle and Hump for yeah. sure. Um, uh, there's a great album by Urge Overkill as well. So I'm showing my age there. And then I think um, Fat Freddy's Drop, uh, yeah, right. their, their first one. Yeah. Um, there's three that come to mind. Right now, I, I was reading the, the question, it's, it's, you know, what's your favourite album? And I was like, you know that there's like streaming services. <laughs> whereby, you know, 10 years ago, the average number of genres listened to by uh, yeah. different audiences was up to seven. Right. Now, uh, five years ago, it was 19. Yeah, right. I think now it's probably even higher. Um, so there's kind of, there's three tracks. That Where does Baby Shark come to that? Just, sorry. <laughs> It's a very young title. <laughs> <laughs> um, so there's three tracks: "Roach Fingers" by Jesse Brew, "Small Hours" Frankie Stew, and then "Andromeda" by Beast uh, Swanson. So they're three tracks that I'm on um, rotation, high rotation. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, okay. Copy that. Favorite <laughs> drink. I, I um. I'm going to say Negroni. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, you know. Um, I remember my well, my wife um, loves them, has always loved them, and when we first got together, I couldn't could not stomach it, mm. and somehow it's just done a one eighty, and now yeah. I'm like you know one for each year. 
<laughs> I had way too many of them last night, so I hate them. <laughs> Great timing by me, yeah, then. Maybe that's something you should have bringing them Seedling the brownies. Seedling, no. Uh, okay, in which venue do you like to drink one of the brownies these days? What's your favourite venue? Oh, do you know what? So, 42, two kids, two and five. Um, it's, it's all about proximity. Um, yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, we were, you know, for like the fancy experience that caters for the kids is probably the Coogee Pub. Yeah. Live down in Maroubra. Um, yeah. I would say uh, to go further afield, uh, uh, Dar Marina in Bali. That's a pretty good McGrady as well. <laughs> yeah, right, okay. <laughs> Just to throw something yeah, yeah, yeah. Either way, by the water. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and finally... Who in the industry, and this can be any industry, your industry, uh, if we call that human capital people, yeah. um, hospitality, FMCG, who, just let's just say who you're most inspired by. Yeah, okay. I mean, from a, from a hospitality industry perspective, um, uh, I think Dave Galvin is, is pretty inspirational, to be honest. Yeah, I think he's doing some pretty amazing stuff. And uh, the reason that he inspires me is... Um, his uh, ambition and passion and direction, but also like an, an openness to hear other perspectives. So mm. that's kind of in that kind of more human side of things. He also loves Negroni. Loves Negroni. Mm. Surprised he's not turned into one. Um, <laughs> uh, I think, mate. I, I honestly, I cannot go past uh, Simon Sinek for uh, as far as sort of. Uh, understanding human beings and how they interact with each other. Yeah. Um, just a super impressive human that uh, some may, may consider to be a little bit um, arrogant. I, I think that he's, he's uh, both extremely knowledgeable at this point and consistently seeking ways to change that perspective in, in a positive manner. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Well, thanks. Hey, thanks, yeah, great chat. I think one, you know, really different content that we used to have with um, super valuable. So thanks for sharing. Pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thanks for having us uh, on, Tom. <laughs> 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 culture driving me to go and source a milk stout uh, to do the outro with. I, um, <laughs> I was quite taken early on when he, he had this line, something like, um, you know, in, in terms of that job ad, um, personal characteristics that will survive yeah. these conditions in Antarctica. Mm-hmm. It's quite an incredible way of thinking about it, I think, because so much of uh, standard recruitment, I'll put it that way, is you must have these skills, this experience. Mm. And we kind of, I guess, like at least probably guilty of something that sometimes doing this and a great attitude or something like that, which is yeah. a bit uh, nebulous. But I just thought that was a good, much like a lot of the podcasts, a good way of, uh, you know, I think flipping the problem on its head and looking at a different way. So that was yeah. one of the key takeaways for me. What about you? Oh, I think, you know, topics around leadership and management between the two, you know, it's an old... Um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a, a, a conversation that's been had for a very, very long time. Um, but I think, as Tom mentioned, um, it's starting to come back around and I think business is starting to focus on it more. I always find 
the approaches and the thoughts um, around that topic to be super interesting and he's clearly a guy that's got a whole heap of insight and um, adds a lot of value to obviously probably to our businesses as we've just been discussing you know so hopefully listeners have taken one or two probably more um, really strong pieces of advice that can apply to their business in a, in a tangible way yeah great what's next I've got no idea let's go downstairs and have a beer sounds good